Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, my patrons, uh, yada da da day, trons. Uh, patrons, please, if you listen to this, uh, uh, make sure you have your RSS. I would presume you're listening to this in a podcasting app. Uh, but if you're not, if you're listening to it by email or on the Patreon website or something, it's a much better user experience when you consume the podcast in a podcast app. And you don't have to, but the Patreon feed works in most podcasting apps. So you just got to go to support.patreon.com to learn more, or you can contact their support team by going there and clicking send us a note. If you can't find your RSS or anything, they can look that up for you. But I have noticed that only one out of every four patrons does that, and the one out of every four patrons uh, that does listen via the RSS feed, which is probably most of you, so I don't know... uh, are the most involved uh, and satisfied patrons because uh, this is really this digital content. Uh, I work so much on the show. Uh, this is my only way of uh, really saying thank you other than to say, hey, patrons, thanks so much. Uh, and let's keep you and I, uh, we keep the show going. Thank you. Uh, tonight's episode is also made possible with the hard work of uh, Carl W., who edits episodes, Chris Wilson, who does the theme music and edits episodes, Jonathan Mann is on our lullabies. You can commission a song from him for any occasion in your life. Uh, for a special event, go to song.jonathanman.net. Uh, Kenny, Scotty, and Jennifer are on, our, on, our, on our artwork. Eric and the team at Astound are on our website. Uh, Night Vale Presents is, is a wind in our sails. You can check out all those other shows at nightvalepresents.com. And me, I'm Matt Deer Scooter on Twitter. And the listeners, they have their own Facebook group. I want to thank the moderators over there. Uh, Stacy and Sarah, Lauren, Keith, Julie, and Jennifer. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, thanks for listening, by the way. And uh, that's it. Let's uh, get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, uh, the podcast that puts you to sleep. And the podcast that goes goes uh, forgetful sometimes. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations. Uh, and to just to resummarize, it could be any a bunch of other things. It could be something you're feeling physically, something you're experiencing emotionally, or that happened that you're having feelings about. Natural, you're a human being. Uh, it could be thoughts about any of that stuff, or just, you know, thinking stuff. Those, those darn synapses... That was a Nickelodeon show I pitched. Uh, would you believe that it wasn't picked up? Those darn synapses. It was a. It was a. a, a, a pie. Well, I'll get back to that TV show about the synapse family, the synapses. Uh, but anyway, this is a podcast to, to put you to sleep. I try to create a safe place. I try to earn your trust. If you're new, uh, might take me a little while. This podcast is a little bit different. Uh, just try to uh, loosely pay attention because uh, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. But I'm here to, in an attempt to, to, to help you to take your mind off of stuff while you drift off into dreamland. 
I do tend to repeat myself because like my, my brain doesn't seem to be recording all. Ever since I pitched that Synapses TV show, I think my like then they wanted. Then I said, "Well, what about a Hallmark special?" And I said, "Well, I don't know what that is." And I said, "Remember those after-school specials?" And I said, "Isn't it your job to remember the after-school specials?" And then they said, uh, "Synapses on like a Synapses on strike or something." And that was it. The rest is history. Then I made up a sleep podcast. But if you're new, I mean, well, here's what I propose to do. I'm going to smooth this uh, safe place out. I'm going to pat it and I'm going to rub it down. And I'm going to raise my hand up and say safe place or both hands. If Well, I, I can't because one would, I don't want to bump the microphone. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, tangents, uh, I don't know if I'll be, I don't know if I'll have fictional musings, but those two words just popped in my head. So I figured I'd say them. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I want to keep you company. I want to be your apply to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, your boar sib. And what my, my job is to be here for you, uh, to be your companion in the deep dark night. Your job, here's the good news. Here's a couple of things about the podcast if you're new. You don't need to listen to it. Now, you can, uh, but you don't have to. And you don't should, you don't should, you know, should, there's no shoulds. Uh, you, you, I don't know how else to say that concisely, but you, there's no shoulds and there's no should nots. Uh, you can kind of listen, you can mostly listen, you can partially listen, or you can barely listen. Or there's a lot of people uh, that listen and they say, I don't even understand what he's saying. Or there's some people that listen uh, the whole time. So, yeah, you don't need, you can listen how you wish. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Also, there's no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here for about an hour uh, to, to, to be your friend in the deep, dark night. Uh, so whether you fall asleep in 10 minutes or you're awake all the way to the end of the hour, I'm going to be here to keep you company. Uh, to be at your bedside in a, you know, digital friendly manner, like much like a fireside chat, like what's a, is a chat one-on-one? Cause I think those were like a b- bigger deal. Uh, but this isn't really, I guess this podcast, you could say it's full of chatter. Uh, but, uh, so what was I saying? Uh, so I'm here to, oh, you don't need to listen to me and no pressure to fall asleep. This is a podcast to keep you company while you drift off. To take your mind off stuff, maybe put a smile on your face, maybe put you at ease. Uh, let you say, hmm, yeah, I'm sinking in there. The Scoots is here. He's my companion. He's my buddy. Uh, so that's the one thing you need to know. Structurally, if you're new, the show starts off with a little bit of business, uh, and there's business between the uh, intro and the story. And that's how we keep the show going and free is the people that are actively engaged in supporting the sponsors or uh, supporting the show directly. Uh, so I want to applaud all of you. If you're new, not a big deal. But, you know, the, those of you that regularly do that, you you keep the show going. So thank you for that. And if you're new, thanks for getting through that part. And then there's an intro. The intro, I guess we're probably like four or five minutes into it. Usually they're around 12 I shoot for 12 minutes. I usually, uh, usually end up between nine and, uh, 18 minutes. And it's a show within a show, part monologue, as they say, mostly log. 
I use some faded sleep dust, rusty meanders, creaky dulcets, all those things. And and I kind of try to create a metaphor of what the podcast is. So you say, well, this is a little bit familiar. Scooch tries to craft a metaphor and he realizes uh, that he's not at a potter's. He's, he's got all the stuff that you'd see a potter in a movie, but he just mostly has the goopy stuff. And say, so, yeah, if I had a potter's wheel, it would be almost, it would be square and oblong. It would have harsh angles and oblong angles. And you say, I can't picture that. And I'd say, yeah, believe me, I've been working with my whole life uh, in these darn synapses. I got to get back to that. But yeah, so the intro is where I try to explain what the podcast is. For, for regular listeners, it's something familiar, but it's different every time. Because the goal of the intro is, one, make you feel welcome to greet your skepticism if you're new. I guess, like, in a in a way that says you should be skeptical. I'm glad you are. That's a very intelligent way to greet this. And I don't know what to say. I guess that's what I say with to your skepticism. I don't know what to say. Give it a few tries. See if it helps. Uh, I can't make any promises other than I'll be here goofing around to keep you company like a boar bud. And podcast works for some people, doesn't work for others. Most listeners say it takes uh, three tries, and then they it stops making sense, and they just fall asleep. So give it a few tries. I'm glad if you're here if you're skeptical. Uh, so that's what the intro is. Then there'll be a, a, a story portion where tonight we'll be talking about episodes uh, five and six of The Good Place, uh, mostly set in costume details uh, with, uh, like, a... Uh, me like making like noticing jokes, but trying not to uh, out any of the jokes of the show or too much of the plots. Just an appreciation. You see, wow! So you do a podcast, a, a good place, the good place appreciation show, and I'd say, well, let's not get carried away. I mean, I I appreciate the good place totally, totes my goats. Uh, but this podcast is more me appreciating. Yeah, I mean, somebody's putting hard work in there. I'm the only one. I mean, and I don't. I guess I don't want to point any fingers, but say somebody's put putting you know working on those sets pretty hard. And I'm here to uh, appreciate it in in a way, a lulling, soothing, creek dulcet way. And really, if someone wasn't putting in all that hard work, in reality, there wouldn't be the details for me to fixate on. So, uh, bravo. And yeah, I hope you if you if you if you ever do listen, if if anybody on on that set or that staff or the uh, crew or the cast ever listened to this, uh, I'm not just doing this out of uh, love, but one you know whatever one step of uh, beyond love is, or if you know for me, I gotta say, well, I gotta keep my rock like inside. Uh, uh, what's that thing when you want to hold something and you want to hold it up? I guess it's like a Right after a bunny rabbit or something comes out of its shell, you say, I want to hold this up to light. I like it so much. Uh, so that's uh, so tonight we'll be talking about The Good Place and in, in, uh, in details and stuff on The Good Place. So that's the that's the structure show. Then there's some thank yous at the end. And, yeah, I guess I was talking about, speaking of The Good Place, that's the TV show that's on TV. And a show that never made it on TV was Those Darn Synapses. And I think there's other shows called Those Darn Things. Uh, but this was about the synapses, a uh, family of synapses. 
he and people may have said it was influenced by other shows. Uh, and I'd say probably was because I've, I've watched a whole lot of TV. Uh, you may say, I, uh, my, I'm not, I guess you don't even may say it. it my belief system, probably from age uh, five to however old I am now. Well, I realized at some point it wasn't working, but I still use that belief system. I mean, if you put me under hypnosis, even though I didn't watch a lot of TV shows with Ricky Schroeder, they'd say, well, who do you, com- com- like, who would you consider one of the supreme beings? I mean, probably it's a polytheistic thing anyway. If I was under there, I'd say the Ricker, Rick Schroeder. They'd say, well, how many episodes of Silver Spoons did you see? I'd say, I had no idea. Not, not as many. Like, it's not a, uh, don't associate it that way. That That's why I consider the Ricker. Uh, I said, that's why you have me under hypnosis, so I can be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, probably when I, like, I definitely said, well, if I could just be more like the Ricker. And this is when I was like 10 years older than the character on the TV show. I said, my life's going to go golden. And yes, I'd say, what about the goddesses? And I'd say, well, of course the golden girls are goddesses to me. And, uh, I also wished I could have lived their lives, both in their current, you know, I wish I could be a golden girl for sure. I mean, why, you know, why not? I'm under hypnosis. Why not be honest with you? Uh, I do wish I'd say, I would love to say my name is Blanche Dubois, but you know, I'd love to be as cool as Rose. Uh, but yeah, I think is that, was it Blanche's last name Dubois or my mixing my, uh, metaphorical characters? Okay, it's, it's did did I hypnotize you? I, oh, I'm in the middle of a podcast intro. Let me get back. Oh, and a TV show pitch that already failed. Yeah, it was called uh, those darn synapses. And yeah, basically it was it was going to be a sitcom about a synapse family, uh, but I kind of wanted to have it a little more progressive. And they said, well, let's just do. And then they said. Uh, uh, multicam. I said, no, this is going to be a multi-scan. I said, not single camera. They said, this is going to be an actual, I think this is where it went wrong. They said, I think we're with you. And I said, yeah, no progressive. I said, not a nuclear family. And then we started talking multicam, single cam. I said, no, 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 scan. This will be a real look in uh, at the synapse. We're going to pick a synapses family. And they said, but you said it's fictional. And I said, yeah, I'll be imagining. I said, you'll be scanning it. We'll do this. I said, trust me, this is a new thing. And then they said, like VR, like Oculus. Uh, and I said, no, no, no. And then I tried to do a, a theme song for it about, you know, those darn synapses, uh, synapses, synapses, you know, went like that. Uh, you say mine, he says his. Like, it was pretty good. At least I thought so. So, but you may be listening, maybe new. You say, okay, this person may be short. Maybe those darn synapses did. And I say, you're probably right. They did check out a while back. And I am short. I, but not only do I am I short of synapses, my synapses are shorted. Uh, and don't, let's not even get started on my telomeres because they, 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 you know, they've started, uh, I think they said we're sheathed. Uh, we sheathed our, I don't, anyway, I'll save those for the uh, DNA conference, along with, um, you know, my multitude of Crick and Watson jokes uh, that have yet to be discovered. And they say, cure me, cure me. 
Okay. No takers on those. Anyway, so I'm back. Uh, so it's a podcast to put you to sleep, believe it or not, to take your mind off stuff. I guarantee there's a chance I took your mind off of stuff, uh, distracted you. And it, you're like most of my ideas, are, they're not half-baked. They're bar- you might just say they're barely there. I mean, you might be lying there saying, well, I could almost see a TV comedy about uh, not synapses, but something like that, like dinosaurs or families. And I say, okay, well, you got me. Uh, anyway, it's a podcast about just sleep to keep you company. You know what? The reason I make this show is because I've been there tossing and turning, just aching to sleep, to rest, uh, for something to distract me from my thoughts uh, so I could loosen my grip on the world and slip off uh, into that hypnotic type state where you're asleep and resting. And that's what I want for you. I really, truly believe in the fact that you deserve a good night's sleep, and I'm here to help. This is the only way I can. It doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, but I hope it works for you. I appreciate you coming by. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. Thanks so much. All right, so tonight we're talking about uh, season five, uh, season one, episodes five and six of uh, The Good Place. And uh, episode five is uh, uh, category five. Uh, mer- 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 uh, <laughs> uh, episode five is titled uh, Category Five uh, Fun Fest. And what could be more fun than a list of uh, probably a thousand different um, frozen yogurt flavors? I couldn't read them all. I'm trying to read this one now. Hold on. I'll be right back. Oh, a clean house. Uh, guest. Uh, there might be one called Indiana Jones uh, or Grace Jones. I wouldn't mind that. I think there's one called Popeye Soup. It's tough uh, depending on what you're getting your resolution in. But Eleanor's uh, ordering some Froyo. She can't decide. Uh, Janet recommends full cell phone battery, which tastes how you feel when your cell phone battery's full, which is good. Uh, some other cho- choices I noted was your fifth birthday cake. I don't know if that's your fifth, your birthday cake from your first birthday or your fifth birthday cake in a row. Uh, Chanel M- Michant, uh perfect high five. Uh, game-winning home run, raspberry sorbet. I said, wait a second, raspberry sorbet, uh, potato chip, uh, main lobster, skinny dipping, cancel plans. Uh, empty inbox. Oh, inside jokes. Maybe that's what I thought Indiana Jones was. Uh, Stardust. Uh, let's see. Caramel Macchiato. Uh, something. A hotel something. I can't read that one either. Uh, maybe sweet potato fries. Uh, there's a lot of potato soup. That's an interesting one. But that would that feels good. A, wait, a waitress's love. Um, maybe. Uh, chocolate chunk, something muffins. So a lot of different great flavors. Uh, and Eleanor's trying to decide, but she decides to give someone else a turn, which triggers uh, kind of uh, one of the themes of the episode where Eleanor's like, wait, am, am I making progress here? And then she runs back to tell Cheaty the good news that she did something nice. She runs for a park. She does some jumping over picnickers. And we get to see Cheaty at the chalkboard. 
Uh, and you could say that, I guess you probably could say that five times fast, but it's pleasant to say cheaty at the chalkboard. Cheaty at the chalkboard. And on the chalkboard is John Stuart Mill, 1806, some other Jeremy person. What's good? What is bad? One person. Uh, the greatest happiness of the greatest. Uh, we learn a little bit more about this later because it's utilitarianism. Uh, there's a good reason. Good person. Oh, good person. Thumbs up. That's what Eleanor gives. And it opens chapter five. Uh, category five. A fun fast. And then, yeah, then we go to the episode opening and Chidi's teaching uh, uh, Eleanor uh, and Jason. He's talking about utilitarianism. It goes for the sum total of goodness. And Gianu Jason says, uh, tells a story about Sheila and uh, Donkey Doug, who's their best popping locker. It's really funny. And then she says, well, that's actually a relevant example of a utilitarian dilemma. Yeah, it looks like the other person's name is Betham, as I'm looking. And Eleanor, uh, also cover your ears if you're, uh, uh, well, spell it out. Uh, Eleanor says her brain is H-O-R-N-Y. Thought that was funny. Uh, Michael, oh, th- then Michael at some point talked about this. This is the same trick I used to use when I used to try to uh, be more extroverted. And I think I talked about it on the podcast before. It's the old New Yorker trick where you read the New Yorker. <laughs> I guess it's not a trick. You read the New Yorker every week or a few articles, and it gives you something to talk about. Um, and. Uh, I mean, for me, that was just, I guess, like, it makes you seem reasonably intelligent, but uh, it just gave me something to talk about other than, like, hmm, hey, uh, parties, uh, uh, hmm. I mean, that's how normally, but now that I don't have time to read The New Yorker, uh, I wish I, okay, maybe I should set aside that. I say, well, I just got to work on it. I got to go work on the podcast. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a good a good plan. If you have to do a lot of socializing, you're introverted. Read the New Yorker, and there's all usually every every issue. There's one long form uh, article or interview or review. I mean, in addition to the talk to the town and it's some other stuff, uh, some in depth uh, something, it, and it could be uh, or a piece of fiction uh, that you're going to identify with. Um, also, this episode is not brought to you by The New Yorker, but uh, uh, but check it out anyway. My grandma loved it, uh, and that made me love it. Okay, where were we? New Yorker trick. Oh, Michael has a great plaid jacket with a gold pocket square and a real dark uh, pattern to tie uh, with like a dark, like a, kind of a vintage look. Um, couldn't even say... I don't have the vocabulary to define the colors. There's some. Um, I'm gonna have to get one of those uh, posters so I can get a deeper uh, grasp of colors, or maybe just uh, maybe just try to walk around with a box of Crayolas. Uh, let's see, dark pattern tie. Oh, Ted Danson's really big. This part of the season, uh, the next few episodes, he's in uh, his real A game. Uh, Janet brings in a triangle projector, a computer, and we used to learn that the neighborhood is 12358W. 
and they look at the sinkhole thing, and it has also has the neighborhood technical technical manual. Yeah, then Chidi and LR have a little bit of a discussion where Chidi's using the old. It's not a big deal. Uh, he's like, I gotta be by myself now. Not a big deal. And Eleanor's like, of course it's a big deal. Come on, I know what that means. Then uh, Tahani is looking at the computer. Even after Michael and Janet leave, they leave the computer on and unlocked. Uh, and so she looks in and it has these like circles, not Venn diagrams, like interconnected circles, one with the weather. It looks like the weather choices, at least the defaults, are foggy, rain, uh, cloudy, or sunny. Uh, then there's listings, neighborhood rankings, housing data, uh, re- redirects. I don't know what that says. Uh, then there's a landscape circle with structures, uh, rooks, water, uh, gravy, grass, and I don't know what rooks are. Maybe that's trees. It looks like R-O-O-K, rocks. Oh, that's it. Michael has a thing for rocks, kind of. And there's a menu with blueprints. I put lies, but I don't think, I think that's probably another word. And uh, Tahani looks up her, ra- the neighborhood rankings. And I'll just give you this, the basics. Uh, it uh, David comes in at 2.9 million is his ranking. John, who's number two at 2.7. Bjorn, uh, uh, B-J-O-E-R-N, is 2.6. Uh, Kachan at 2.6, uh, Jessica, 2.5, Eleanor's in sixth place, uh, Tahani is in 321st place, 322nd place is Glenn, M-A-R-T-R-E-M-M-P-F, I think there's someone named Xavier in there somewhere, maybe we learned that, and then we see a flashback uh, to, to Tahani's childhood and her sister Camilla, and uh, they talk about some artists, and uh, they show off uh, the different art they're working on as children. Probably, I don't know, eight to ten year old uh, children. Uh, Chidi had talks about some of his dreams that he's been having uh, about Eleanor and his es- uh, the impossibility of his ethical solution. Uh, I think he dreamed that his aunt or his grandmother turned into Eleanor. And then they get, like, uh, we also get a view of her patio. It has a modern table with an umbrella. Then some stuff about the sinkhole comes in. Alert, uh, Michael's in a gray tie, a gray suit, and a gray pocket square. All in gray because it's an alert. I think his shirt's gray, too. But different shades of gray. Not, Not 50 shades of gray, no brain. And then we go to commercial, we come back, and we see a table. There's coffee cup, uh, marionette, uh, OJ glass, a Froyo cup. Uh, what does that say, marionette? Uh, orange slices, a wine glass, crumbled up turquoise papers. It looks like almost construction paper. More Froyo containers on the floor. Two blankets. Eleanor's wearing Uggs and sweatpants. In a Michigan Law sweatshirt, a coffee cup. I don't know if I mentioned. Oh no, to go coffee cup on one of the end tables. There's actually two uh, uh, Froyo cups on the table. Uh, tissues. Uh, Michael refers to Janet as the magical assistant there. 
we learn that Chidi likes to do the dishes. Michael shows back up in a yellow paisley tie and blue. And pocket square matches it. Uh, like the border of the pocket square is blue. And then the pocket square is a pair. I don't know. Is periwinkle yellow? Like a light yellow. Like named like a, named after that kind of yellow bird, I think. And Michael says, yeah, just can you keep, keep these people as a guest for like one hour, between one hour and 11 months. Uh, we go back to Chidi. Uh, no, we go back to Tahani's place. And it's day three of their brunch. And she shows off the brunch schedule, full day of activities. There's three groups, A, B, and C. Each group is broken up into 12, I guess, individuals. I guess so. she has 36 people over there. It looks like they have three common periods together, which I guess would be the meals. That's when we see William Xavier is the last, third to last place. So between Tahani and... Uh, Oh, no, above Tahani and the other person who's like Glenn or whatever. Then we have another uh, flashback at uh, Tahani doing a fundraiser for Britain Children's Fund. Five, two, two million pounds, but middle thermometer doesn't cut it. Uh, so she introduces her sister Camilla, youngest person uh, ever graduate from Oxford, world class painter, social activist, iconoclast, uh, Olympic gold medalist for archery. Uh, BAFTA award winner for a documentary and a Grammy award-winning album, and the person most likely voted to be most likely be Banksy, which she does a, a shush. And she has this, like, super long one uh, ponytail, uh, and she's very stylish. And she auctions off a lunch date starting at 3 million pounds. Her dad immediately bids 5 million pounds. And this is one thing about this show that really excels at it, even though it's this uh, situational comedy, is these mo- real moments. Uh, this one has these two different dilemmas with Chidi and uh, Tahani, and, and I guess Eleanor and stuff. Uh, but really, Chidi really digs deep. But so does Eleanor's flashbacks. I mean, uh, Tahani's flashbacks. Uh, and we can't see the plot about... Uh, yeah, we see Tahani Supply kind of playing out. And they meet one of their neighbors who says, I wrote the book on true love, uh, uh, how to spot marriage problems at a thousand miles or something. She says he's vexed uh, when him and Eleanor, they're alone in a room. At first I said, what room is this? It ends up it's a bathroom. There's like a very decorative mirror with uh, like a lot of different things pointing off it, like uh, like almost like a sun, but it's a dark color. And there's porthole windows in the bathroom. I said, well, what do they got? A, a one you could see right in. Uh, but it is just a set. Uh, and this is, I think, the first time Eleanor says, you, ba- you basic, uh, it won't be the last. And then we see a big driftwood sculpture in Eleanor's living room that maybe I talked about before, but this one's big. I'd say three feet tall. And uh, the word squabble gets used multiple times, including very funny one with Chidi. Uh, then let's see, Tahani out. Uh, oh, because she says uh, goodbye to her parents or something. And they say, oh, yeah, you were uh, in the, they said, hey, we left you as uh, t- t- Tahini. Or is that what it's called? Tahini, yeah. 
and said it to Hani. Uh, Janet, oh, then Tahani goes outside. Maybe this is earlier. Uh, she's trying to bring, she's trying to be helpful and check in with Michael and Janet. At first, we don't see her, though. We just see Janet. Uh, no, we do. And then we see Janet and Michael working on the sinkhole. Janet's got this, like, uh, some sort of a TV antenna equipment type thing with lights on it, some sort of scanner. And they say, you can't be here. So then uh, Tahani goes cubist on everybody. Uh, and then she admits seeing the oh, rankings. Uh, I think that's later. Then we see have the flashback when she's talking. Uh, they're t- talking about her being Tahini. But what I noticed is the beginning of the scene. I thought this was very good acting or very good character development. Uh, because usually she's so poised, but she is a dribble, like a, uh, what do you call that? Not dribbling her fingers, uh, but tapping all her right-handed fingers on the table uh, in kind of a nervous frustration. And I really thought it was good, especially because she's trying to step out of this uh, thing. And she says, you know, I tried, but it never has never been enough. Uh, and she's also telling us to Michael, who has a giant purple bow tie on in pocket square at this point. And also at this time, uh, we really get this big... Uh, uh, deeper look at Chidi, uh, which is really nice. Uh, and then the episode ends on this wonderful note. Uh, dishes, Doc. I don't know. Oh, the dishes are done. And then we see a rowboat. And Eleanor, uh, Chidi sees a note to say, hey, meet me down by the lake or something. And he goes down there. He's got a nice dress shirt on, as all, I mean, mo- most of the time. He doesn't always have nice dress shirts on. And Eleanor says, hey, go for a rowboat ride with some wine and French poetry. And she gives him a card that says, fork off, Eleanor, and kind of like gold print. And I was wondering if Janet made that or if they have a print shop there. Because you couldn't just print it on a home printer. So she had to get it done somewhere. And then he says, what is this? Oh, gold letters, print shop. Theoretic, uh, GD says it's a theoretical fan. This was a theoretical fantasy. And at first, the first shots, it could have been on, on a lot or something. But then they pull back as Chidi goes into the lake because he doesn't know how to row boats. Uh, and you see it's a really nice looking lake. So I don't know where they filmed it, but it, like, it even had some autumn colors and stuff. And Eleanor is pretty happy. Uh, so is uh, we also see. Um, oh wait, this is back when uh, uh, Tahani's talking to Michael, kind of saying, "Well, geez, uh, I want to be a heroine. I want to get out of my sister's shadow." Uh, so I thought that was nice. Uh, so I think that's it for that episode that we needed to cover. I mean, the big part is that big list of. Uh, uh, this episode, uh, uh, so I don't know, the big list of, uh, what do you call that stuff, frozen yogurt. And then episode six opens uh, with another, Eleanor's cross-armed, and she's looking at us, uh, the camera, but, she, you know, you can tell she's looking at something. And she's looking at the three clowns that are on the same wall as her front door. Like, her front door is to the left with that planner I was talking about. Uh, like the weird uh, waist-sized planner with three things, uh, like a mini wall. But she's looking at these three clown portraits, 
not portraits. I guess they are portraits of clowns, and I guess they're clown portraits too. And they're they're all the middle one is slightly larger than the one on the left and the right, but not a humongous size difference. And we're kind of familiar with the one on the left. That's old three tie a clown wearing three bow ties for some reason. And he kind of has whichever that Mark's brother is with the blonde curly hair, like a little, I think that's Harpo uh, action. It's in the center clown. I don't know. I said there's something familiar about this clown. Uh, he also has like a big curly hair and it's like a rainbow. It goes blue, purple, yellow, red uh, down the middle, yellow, purple, blue. Uh, like if we were facing him from my left hand, which would be his right ear, it goes, again, I'll do it for blue, purple, yellow, red, yellow, blue. I think I may have called him Roy G. Biv in the past, but he's not. He's B-P-Y-R-Y-P-B. B-P-Y-R-R-Y-P-B-Something, you know, but... Eleanor has a name for him. He also has, a, I didn't notice this till this time, he's got a giant Elizabethan collar on. And I guess it's a new thing for dogs when your dog needs a collar, like a non-itching collar. They say, get him an Elizabethan collar. At least that's what they told me. I said, I couldn't find it. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, he's just got, he, I said, I don't know if it's uh He's got this interesting look on his face where you really can't tell his expression either, the center clown. And then the clown on the right has a, uh, a blue kind of, almost like a kid in play. I don't know if, how many people are familiar with that. There's a player, basketball player this season, uh, and he changed teams. I can't, I, I have to think of it. Yeah, but anyway, he uh, has like a kid in play style, spiked blue hair. A very formal stance, shoulders back, kind of like a clown sergeant or something. If I had to say something, I'd say it's a French clown, but I don't know why. I don't have any backup for that. Uh, and Eleanor's very f- stressed about Michael and the clowns, and she says, okay. And she goes through the names, which I'm trying to say, uh, let's see, whose names can I say? Oh, I also noticed the center clown has stars on his cheeks, uh, He's a, like a C-3PO, but not, uh, that's not his name. Uh, but Poco, that's not it. I don't even, I can't even read my writing. Uh, then Greedo, uh, then Crazy Head, then a Stupid Juggling uh, Head, maybe? Uh, then Freaky Feet, and then George Washington, the Clown. Yeah, it's much funnier when Mel- and then she replaces uh, the center clown Roy G. Biv or whatever with a sexy mailman. That's not a clown. Then they, her and uh, Chidi, they talk. They talk about what we owe each other because I think that's the name of the episode. Uh, yeah, what we owe to each other. He talks about contractualism, which ends up being kind of the theme of the episode. And really about keeping your promises. Also, a couple of shots, a ton of books. Couldn't read any of the book titles. Let me see if I could do it now. Oh, that was a book you want Eleanor to read. What will we owe each other? Like an introduction to conceptualism or contractualism. And Eleanor's trying to figure out a way to both help Michael find who doesn't belong and not help him. 
And she said, you know, Chidi says, it can't be done. She says, oh, I've done it before, so, uh, with my cousin. So I think I can figure it out. Uh, then we have a shot of, uh, Michael. He's at a map, uh, with a bunch of, like, where he's doing all his research, uh, and it was another good one. I tried to freeze it again. I see him, like, he's got all these spots where events happened, marked, um, uh, with string, a very loud bird, uh, a weird pebble, sinister rock. Uh, I think I saw a flying shrimp on there at one point. And he's a little out of sorts, so his tie's untied. He has a blue shirt on, and his tie is almost a Paisley-style tie, but it's not Paisley. And it's untied. He has no jacket on, so he doesn't have a pocket square. His tie is like three or four t- styles of blue, like colors of blue. Uh, he has a belt on, uh, so I don't know if the um, suspenders ever come back. He talks about being able to see and or, uh, observe nine dimensions. Uh, let me see. I'm watching it here because there's an hourglass, and I said, "Is there sand actually moving in the hourglass, or is the hourglass already done?" It looks like it just got flipped because there's like some dust in the top, but it was drained. Uh, bird, weird pebble, Chidi, Tahani, and John, you spend some time together. Oh, we have a guest, uh, Mary Holland, a uh, guest says Eleanor's friend, and she's been, she's, she's in Wild Horses comedy troupe, uh, and you could hear her on a lot of podcasts. She's really good on, uh, she has, she's on Tapped. She's on a lot of Earwolf podcasts. Uh, very, very funny. And she was on Doughboys because she was talking about how she used to work at um, uh, Medieval Times. Uh, so cool guest spot. Um, then we see another guest, uh, not as good as Mary Holland, but uh, Magic 8-Ball, uh, has. And he says, uh, I, am, it is, I am decidedly so. And Tahani wants to go do some couples activities and do some discursive discussions. Oh, also, the, the how, Eleanor's going to house sit and dog sit for Mary Holland's character. And uh, the house that they shot it in, or if it's a real house, is amazing. I mean, if for like a regular house, uh, at least to me, I said, man, uh, that's the house I dreamed to grow up in. Uh, then I see, I saw a scene with Tahani. She has a big finger, her finger, she's wearing a finger ring. I don't know if that's what you call it. I guess all rings go on fingers. Uh, but the face of the ring is like as long as three quarters of her finger. So I was wondering if she could open and close her finger. But then I just realized, I guess she could because your finger open and closes away from the ring. Uh... They put WTF office. Oh, this, then there's a scene back in Michael's office with stuff we've never seen before. Uh, like he has a little mini museum with a tape dispenser, waxed lips, uh, lips, wax lisp, uh, uh, bobble, like a bobblehead Mark Twain, a comb, a cheese crater. Oh, cheese grater, a cheese crater. I thought it said crater in my handwriting. Cheese grater, a pink eraser, a slingshot, and then a paper football like you would make in grammar school and try to kick field goals or make into a star. He also has a giant bowl of paper clips. He loves running his hand through paper clips. 
He tells Eleanor he's discovered 78 suspicious rocks. Uh, says, she says, are they defective? Are they taunting you? And Eleanor has an idea. She says, dude, it's time for some chill time. And Michael grabs his jacket. So we do see he has a matching pocket square uh, that is blue. And uh, there's this whole third wheel kind of theme. Uh, so Ch- Chidi, uh, Gianni, Jason, uh, Tahani uh, go to the Good Face Spa. And we have great uh, to talk about the language with uh, Janet, who says couples are pairs of people. And I think he says, I'm a, I'm a third part of the couple, uh, the helper part, the fun part. Uh, we're a three-person couple. It's just a fun scene. You should watch it. Uh, and then uh, Eleanor Michael, they're talking at a picnic table over a couple cups of Froyo. And they're talking about the TV show Friends and Becoming Friends. Uh, and uh, actually, this ends up being, this is true. Michael says architects don't, aren't supposed to live on site. Uh, but I figured I'd live here for the first thousand years. And then he kind of underlines things. He says, you know, you don't break promises. That's what he goes, that's what we're really focused on. And Eller goes, okay, well, I promised you we'd have some fun. So they go do karaoke. They do uh, A Blaze of Glory from Young Guns, the movie, which I think was, uh, uh, who's that band? It's, uh, bon Jovi, I think, is who sings that. Maybe just John Bon, or maybe it's the whole Bon Jovi. I'm not sure. And Michael has fun karaokeing. Then Janet's ready to give massages. Her hands are perfectly warm to 105 degrees. Uh, what is it? Why does it say P-E-C-T? I don't know what that means. Packed. Uh, oh, perfect. Uh, that perfect temperature. Uh, they're at the Kingdom Co- They went from the uh, Good Face Spa to the Kingdom Com Spa, according to their robes. Uh, and then they talk about Pitbull and Impressionism. Uh, GD actually has, has been trained in the uh, mandible massage technique, uh, so he does that. Uh, meanwhile, Eleanor and Michael play skee-ball. Uh, then they play the claw. I think they play the claw game first, where you get stuffed animals with the claw. Uh, Eleanor shows Michael a technique to get extra tickets to skee-ball. Then they go bowling, like the black light laser bowling. And Michael talks about how humans kind of can figure out how to have the most fun. Then we're back at Mary Holland's house. Uh, and uh, Eleanor's supposed to be still house-sitting. Her friend shows up. She says, I got tickets to Rihanna. She calls, him, she calls her Riri. And on the back of the tickets uh, was a bunny on the back of the Rihanna tickets. Uh, and they put a really nice house. She's house sitting. Then we go back to the spa and uh, uh, Chidi and Jason already have face masks. They're very, very blue, like almost a blue you'd get on a cupcake you buy at a supermarket uh, where you say, I don't think... uh, you say, okay, how could that frosting be that possibly blue? Like beyond, beyond turquoise, we say. That's like the artificial version of turquoise. And Tahani can't get, uh, uh, her her pores are just too small to uh, get a face mask. Uh, uh, so she's frustrated. She can't have a moment with uh, Jianyu talking about art and discursive discussions. 
So she ends up going to get tea uh, at a couple's, uh, two couples cafe now, tea for two couples cafe. And her and Chidi share a moment. She says, I just want a soulmate uh, that I can discuss the ethereal colors of Degas with. And then there's kind of a joke about France. Uh, and uh, yes, oh, good museums. Uh, and Chidi and Tahani, he says, we'll be soul friends. Then it's the next day at Michael's office. Eleanor shows up with Mad Libs, uh, po- uh, not poodle bugs, uh, po- paddle balls. And she's holding a DVD. I don't think it was ever revealed what the DVD was because uh, it never faced the camera that I could see. Maybe it was like a friend's special or something. Michael has a deep purple uh, striped bow tie and then a lighter purple pocket square with polka dots. Uh, he's so excited because he's kind of made a breakthrough that he gives Eleanor a paperclip, sh- paperclip shower. And then they go and they get a list from Janet that goes from a short list to a long list. Uh, then we see uh, Jason. He's playing a driving game and talking about Frank Caliendo. Then we go back to Michael, Eleanor, and Janet. And so there's 30 guests at the sinkhole dinner party. And 66 looky-loos that stopped in to take a look. Uh, so I guess it's 96 people. And uh, Michael says, this is the end of the road for figuring this out. And Eleanor goes, end of the road, boys to men. Let's go do karaoke. I uh, love that line. And Michael puts on his, he has a hoodie for when he feels down. So he lies on the floor with his hoodie drawn he talks Friends season eight, which I said, oh, wow. He had talked about the 10 seasons of Friends. Uh, and I said, holy cow, they said Friends was 10 seasons long. That's a really long time. Then we have around 18 minutes, another uh, Eleanor flashback uh, to Mary Holland's bulbous dog. Uh, but the thing that struck me most was 1840. Uh, there's a guy sitting behind Eleanor when she's kind of discussing things with uh uh, about the Rihanna concert, and she goes, you didn't even ask me how the Rihanna concert was, and the guy sitting behind her eating, they're at like a, a, a sidewalk restaurant, he turns around and looks at her, and I don't know if that was like scripted or not, I just thought, like, as soon as he heard a Rihanna concert, he was like, wait a second, what, uh, there's a, a Mr. Rihanna concert? Um, uh, let's see. I'll help you however I can. Oh, yeah. Eleanor learns her lesson from a flashback. So she says, Michael, I'll help you however I can, but I'm only human, which gives him an idea. Then we see this triangular action with Chidi Gianyu and Tahani because uh, uh, Gianyu shows her this uh, piece of art that Chidi clearly did of these uh, Degas-style uh, ballerinas with her on it. She says, only my true soulmate, soulmate could give this to me. And then there's a big town meeting, and Eleanor's there. Chidi's reaction was a little understated. She says, uh, that's it, man, I'm busted. Take down the clowns, leave up the sexy mailman. And I really thought that was just uh, so in character I love for Eleanor. And then, but then there's like one more end of the episode twist, which is a great one. And the episodes come to a close. Uh, but I thought we'd try to learn some stuff this week from what came up in the episode two. Uh, so let's see what we got. We got John Stuart Mill, who was born uh, 
May 1806 to May 1873. British philosopher, political economist, and civil servant. Uh, one of the most influential thinkers in the history of liberalism. Uh, his concept of liberty, this is from Wikipedia, justified the freedom of the individual in opposition to unlimited state and social control. And he was a proponent of uh, utilitarianism, an ethical theory developed by his predecessor, oh, Jeremy uh, Bentham, that was who else was on the board. Uh, he also contributed to the investigation of scientific method- methodology, uh, though his knowledge of the topic was based on the writings of others. Uh, he was uh, the first member of parliament to call for women's suffrage. Uh, he's a member of the little par- Liberal Party. Uh, let's see what else we got. A lot of interesting stuff, and I'll link to it on Wikipedia. Uh, the books he wrote, A System of Logic, uh, Theory of Liberty. Uh, he thought uh, Eleanor was reading another book, though. Uh, I thought she was reading On Something Else by John Stuart Mill. Let's see, economic uh, philosophy, environment, wages. Uh, here's a major public publications. A System of Logic, maybe that's what she was reading. Oh, On Liberty, maybe? Utilitarianism? You wouldn't think I watched the episode so many times. Uh, uh, too bad I don't have Cheaty here to help, but uh, it'd sure be a dilemma for him making sense of it. But that's a little bit on John Stuart Mill. Uh, now, when we have the flashback uh, uh, for, for Tahani and her sister, Camilla, they're kind of competing with Art, uh, and her parents are kind of uh, praising her sister, and they say, geez, what is this? She has this uh, bird uh, sculpture uh, where Tahani has uh, more of a bird painting and drawing. And uh, her father says, geez, I think you've moved into some other phase. I don't know. Uh, and he goes, I could see influences from uh, Brancusi and uh, Kapoor here. So Constantine Brancusi as a Romanian uh, February nineteenth, uh, one wow, right around my birthday. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, 1876 uh, to March uh, nineteen fifty seven. Sculptor, painter, and photographer made his career in France. A pioneer of modernism and one of the most influential sculpture sculptors of the twentieth century. The patriarch of modern sculpture. I don't know if that's a good thing anymore, but uh, it might have been a couple of years ago. I don't know if that's, uh, some, but uh, as a child, he had an aptitude for carving wooden farm tools. Uh, uh, studies took him from Bucharest to Munich uh, and to, then to Paris in uh, 1905. Clean, his art emphasizes clean geometry, geometrical lines uh, uh, that balance forms inherent in his materials with symbolic illusions of rep- representational art. Uh, Brancusi saw inspiration in non-European cultures, uh, just like some of his contemporaries, uh, also influenced by Romanian folk art, uh, traceable through Byzantine and Dionysian traditions. Uh, so let's see, I'm trying to see, uh, he had a big show at uh, Armory in uh, 1913. Uh, and uh, oh, there's even a uh, 
Oh, Greg Olden used Brancusi's bird and space as the inspiration behind his Clio Award statuettes. Uh, so really some, I mean, the thing with the, this, all this uh, ethical stuff and this art stuff is, uh, you know, it kind of shows the work the writers uh, are putting in on the show. Uh, really impressive. And then uh, Sir uh, Anish Kapoor uh, was born in March 1954, British sculptor, uh, born in Bombay, uh, lived and worked in London since the early 70s when he moved to study art. Uh, let's see. He was, uh, he's been awarded many, many prizes, uh, uh, knighthood in 2013, uh, and a doctoral uh, degree at Oxford in 2014. Uh, he became known in the eighties for his geometric or bimorphic sculptures using simple materials such as granite, limestone, marble, pigment, and plaster. Uh, these early sculptures were frequently simple curved forms, monochromatic and brightly colored, using powder pigment to define and permeate the form. Uh, here's a quote. When making the pigment pieces, it occurred to me that they all formed themselves out of each other, so I decided to give them a generic title, a thousand names, implying infinity, a thousand being a symbolic number. The powder work sat on the floor or projected from the wall. The powder on the floor defines the surface of the floor, and the objects appear to be partially submerged like icebergs. That seems to fit the idea of somebody being partially there. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, Kabor uh, was uh, acclaimed for his explorations of matter and non-matter, specifically evoking the void in both uh, freestanding sculptural works and ambitious installations Many of his sculptures seem to recede into the distance, disappear into the ground, or distort into the space around them. In 87, he began working in stone. His latter works are made from solid quarried stone, many of which have curved apertures and cavities, often alluding to and playing with dualities. In the end, I'm talking about myself and thinking about making nothing, which I see as a void. But then that's something, even though it's really nothing. That's uh, cool. And uh, 95, since 95, he's been working with a highly reflective surface of polished stainless steel, mirror-like works uh, reflecting or distorting the viewer and the surroundings. Uh, you've probably seen some of these. Uh, uh, been outside the Tate Modern, the Millennium Dome in London. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's one in Chicago. Uh, it, it does, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, he, he used a red wax as part of his repertoire. Uh, so definitely someone who worked, uh, these are two artists uh, worth your time and really cool that uh, they got a little exposed in uh, this episode of, uh, or yeah, that, that, that episode, a little cookie. You basic, uh, as Eleanor says, uh, to, to transition, uh, I guess is a way of saying you're boring uh, or you're low class, according to Urban Dictionary. And the Eleanor actually has brought it back. Uh, squabble. Uh, he looked up a bunch of different definitions. Uh, it's of uh, North Germanic uh, origin. 
And uh, it, it says a minor uh, disagreement between children. But I think a lot of times it means it's a loud, uh, a trivial disagreement, a squabble. Or to, to, to squabble, the verb is uh, to participate in a squabble. And, I mean, that's a great word to uh, get back into your, you know, squabble. Don't, you know, instead of feud with Drake, I mean, I guess a squabble, it sounds like you have to be, can you squabble on Twitter? It's, I think Twitter's one big squabble, actually. And when you run into a squabble, sometimes you could feel as Cheaty does, vexed, uh, which is, uh, you know, not, you know, annoyed, irritated. Uh, tossed about, uh, I think that's probably the best. Tossed about is in waves, uh, uh, or someone verb vexes you. Uh, they could be provoking you, tormenting you, troubling you, causing you a tummy ache, um, uh, stirring up or tossing you about. Uh, another good word to work in. I'm vexed, and you know, vexing is one thing, but to say I'm vexed. Uh, it kind of shuts the conversation down. You say, hmm, I, I'm going to have to look that up and try to, can, yeah, I'm, I'm vexed. If you're vexed, uh, I'm stumped. Uh, and then discursive is another beautiful word. Uh, and it relates to this podcast, I think. Uh, uh, it's from Middle French. And it can mean uh, digressions from the main point, rambling. Uh, tending to digress uh, fr- from the main point. I think I said that. Did I say that already? Uh, or uh, using reason and argument rather than intuition. So I think a d- discursive, uh, she was talking about it in a discussion complex, like going off and talking about art and just seeing where it goes. And then finally, uh, Michael says that he sees in nine dimensions. So I want to look up how many dimensions are there. And according to this Mental Floss article from August 9th, 2017, uh, by M- Michelle Dubzak, uh, let's see, it says, uh, this article is how many dimensions are there? And you ask everyone, and they might like list length, width, and depth. I'll just be kind of paraphrasing. They might add time if they're thinking out of three dimensions. Uh, but if you ask a string theorist how many dimensions are there, it would be a different response. According to this branch of theoretical physics, there's 10 dimensions of space, most of which are impossible, as Michael said, for humans to perceive. But I guess one of those dimensions is impossible for Michael to perceive. And I would say, and I don't know the answer to this, uh, so I'm not spoiling it, uh, does that mean, is that a hint on how to deal with Michael? Because I would say that the people writing the show are super smart. Uh, dimensions are the metrics uh, physics, uh, physicists use to trans- describe reality. Pretty broad, right? Let's start with the three dimensions. Uh, spatial, width, height, and depth are easy to visualize. Uh, you can go from a flat two-dimensional thing to a three-dimensional cube. And these can pinpoint the object's location in space. Uh, but space isn't the only plane we exist on, holy uh, existentialism. Uh, we also exist in time, which is a fourth dimension. So once we know altitude, longitude, and latitude and position in time, we can plot its existence in the universe as we know it. Uh, but people that subscribe to string theory say, well, there's more reality than that in the observable universe, or there's more reality than the observable universe. 
So there's super string theory, which aims to unify the main theories describing how, how the universe works, general relativity in quantum mechanics. Yeah, relative general relativity applying to large objects, quantum mechanics to small ones. And when they uh, started to tweak things, they realized that the, their mass showed 10 dimensions, 11 if you include time. Uh, after coming up with a theory that hinges on 10 space dimensions, they did explain it, uh, where their dimensions were hiding, and that they're just as big as the dimensions we see but they're curled up so tightly they're too small for us to notice directly. Uh, Our basic understanding of physics makes this hard to process. Uh, But in a 2005 uh, TED TED Talk, Brian Greene compares the invisible dimensions uh, to the cables connected to telephone poles. Uh, From a window, the wire looks like a one-dimensional line. But if we were studied up close, we'd see that it's round, making it three dimensions. No analogy comparing unobservable dimensions to objects in the observable world can be perfect, uh, but this explains how something fundamental reality can be hiding in plain sight. So if string theory presents there's 10 dimensions of space plus one for time, but there are physicists, physicists and physicists uh, uh, who argue there could be even more, uh, maybe even 11 dimensions, uh, uh, but it could be up to 26 uh, if you get into the bosonic uh, string theory. But could any of this be understood, but not by me? But uh, I think there's 10 dimensions in your bed now. As you sink in there, the roundness of your pillow, the softness of your pillow, the coolness of your pillow, the internal uh, kind warmth of your pillow... Uh, the flatness and the kindness of your bed, uh, the air holding you, that's six, just in case you're counting, uh, the creaky dulcets uh, bouncing off your eardrums, uh, the space around your room so calming and drifting, uh, the, the 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 sympathetic vibrations coming across the deep dark night from me to carry you off into dreamland, and the gobbledygook uh, that carries that content to your ears and hopes you rest so well. Good night. Yeah, that was ten, and then time is eleven. Good night. Uh, I want to thank everyone who's supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, uh, Holly, Claire, and Julie, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Emily, Tori, and Corey, thank you, thanks, and good night. Alan, uh, Stephen, and Lan, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Thomas, Sherry, and Caitlin, thank you, thanks, and good night. Deborah, Jesse, and Jill, thank you, thanks, and good night. Matthew, Tim, and Kyle, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Derek, Debbie, and Andy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Karen with a Y, Kendall. And Alyssa, thank you, thanks, and good night with an E. Martin, Paul, and Greg, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Geraldine, John, and Victoria, thank you, thanks, and good night. Gail, uh, Talia, and Gypsy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Jean, Sarah, and Dawn, thank you, thanks, and good night. Kathy, Mary, and Daniel, thank you, thanks, and good night. 
Uh, Amy, Kristen, and Stefan, thank you, thanks, and good night. DM, Charles, and Jessica, thank you, thanks, and good night. Tad, Jennifer, and Brana, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Gina, Cooper, and Aaron, thank you, thanks, and good night. Juan, Maria, and George, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Bo, Luke and Lisa, thank you, thanks, and good night. And that was only a synchronicity. Bo and Luke were in a row. Uh, Joan, Hillary, and Amy, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jane, Lily, and Eileen, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Juno, Andrea, and Juliana, thank you, thanks, and good night. Susan, Melanie, and Rita, thank you, thanks, and good night. Christine, Ted, and Ray, thank you, thanks, and good night. Cynthia, Karen, and Tracy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Thank you, everybody, for uh, becoming a patron and supporting the show on Patreon. If you are a patron, please make sure you're getting your bonus content. And for help with that, just go to support.patreon.com. There's plenty of articles there on how to get your RSS set up. Uh, or you can click send us a note and uh, directly contact Patreon support, and they can look up all your user info and uh, get you going with that. And also remember, uh, Sleep With Me is a part of Night Vale Presents. You can check out all of the amazing shows over at nightvalepresents.com. And good night.